Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. Welcome to another episode of Your Podcaster Mind. I'm Sherry, and today I'm speaking with Adam Unz, the creative mind behind the Spark Parade. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining me on today's show. Thank you. So why don't we get things rolling by giving a brief description of the Spark Parade? Sure. So it's a show about art. I talk to people about the artists and artwork that have had an impact on their life or career. So everybody chooses an artist or an artwork or a few of, of each that, you know, it can be the memory of walking past a painting on their way to school or uh, something that's more specifically had an impact on the work that they do. So it's different experiences with each guest. Well, you have a diverse field of, of people that you talk to on your show, everyone from filmmakers to authors and DJs to drag queens. How do you uh, find them? Are they friends or people that are recommended to you, or uh, is it just organically by sending an email to them, or is it a combination of all those together? Yes, yeah, a combination of everything. So some of them are people I know. Some are friends of friends or people I've met through colleagues or, or contacts that I have. And then there's also some kind of cold contacting of people, you know, people who I enjoy their work or just think would be interesting to talk to. I'll reach out. And, I mean, the arts are so uh, wide-ranging, too. Uh, people have discussed things like Stephen King to Prince to – uh, guys and dolls. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> amazing how much you know the arts impact people. Yeah, yeah, and also all different types of art. You know, people talk about painters and films and music, whatever. It's all uh, pretty wide ranging, but I think that's great. It means that there's this pretty limitless pool of uh, subjects to talk about. When did your love for the arts begin? Very early, um, pretty much my whole life, really. I'm an actor. I started acting when I was about eight years old. So the arts have always kind of been in my life. I had a lot of music in my life when I was growing up. My dad introduced me to a lot of music and kind of sparked my interest in and love of music. So art's always been a, a huge part of my life, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast. So what compelled you to become a podcaster? Was there a podcast that you listened to that you really liked, or was it something that uh, grew organically out of an idea of giving more uh, of a spotlight to the arts because it's uh, very underappreciated 
for example, the cutting out of music programs in schools and funding from government um, agencies to different projects. Is is that one right. of the reasons why you started? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the idea of having a podcast at all partially was just to have something creative that can fill my time in between acting jobs and something that's a little bit more in my control. You know, acting is very much out of my control. It's, it's constantly ask, asking other people's permission to do what I love. And podcasting is something that's completely in my control, and I don't have to wait around for other people to say it's okay for me to do it. So that was kind of the appeal of uh, podcasting as a concept. And then as you, my appreciation for the arts, the way the arts have really affected me and I, I think helped me to grow as a person throughout my life, I, I really value arts education and public funding for arts. And when uh, the Trump administration started, there were rumors that the funding for PBS and for the National Endowment for the Arts were going to be cut. And that kind of got me thinking about how important the arts have, have been in my life. I also went to a performing arts high school, which was a really pivotal thing um, in my life. So that kind of was the uh, seed of the idea for the podcast and just wanting to talk to other people about why art is important to them and how um, it's, it's affected their lives. That's very interesting. I really love the show. I've listened to quite a few episodes and I could relate with a lot of the guests on uh, your podcast too. And it, it's just nice to get a, a large group of people coming together to speak about something that they love. As mentioned before, the topics are wide ranging and I, you know, really enjoy it because myself, I've loved the arts ever since I was pretty much out of the womb, music specifically, (laughs) but I appreciate everything, whether it's going to a museum or watching a play or a great movie or reading a book. The arts are, are very impactful in more ways than you think. So how often do you release the Spark Parade? It's weekly. Do you have anything uh, special in store for the podcast for this year? Do you have any goals that you've been setting for yourself as far as yeah. uh, what you want? I'm going to start doing some live shows. I'm going to do an anniversary show to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the show. And I'm still kind of working on the the particulars of how that is going to work, but it's always been part of the plan to have live elements involved. So doing that and then just uh, continuing to talk to more interesting people. Um, I'd eventually love to talk to people who have other jobs, you know, scientists, politicians, because I think the arts affect everybody's life. It's not just artists. And I'm really interested in hearing from people who um, at least, you know, on the surface, don't have a direct connection to the arts. Well, for example, Obama puts out lists every year. I think it's biannual at this point of songs that he loves, of books that he's loved. And the same thing goes with scientists or museum Mm. curators or anthropologists, you know, (laughs) Mm. something Mm. drives them and has to keep them going. Right. Yeah. And I I read an interview with Bernie Sanders ages ago where he was talking about some bands that he liked and it was really surprising. It was like, you know, my perception of who he is as a person didn't match the (laughs) taste that he had in music. 
So I think not only does it help you to give an, get an insight into you know the things that inspire people and the things that they kind of enjoy in their spare time or, or whatever, but it also helps you to, to get a better sense of who they are as people. It's the kind of interviews that I do with people tend to have sort of an, a, a biographical element to them, but it's through an artistic lens. And with my show, it's through the art that they love. And I kind of love that. I think you can learn a lot about people from their taste in, in music and film. And it's always really fascinating to me when you know people surprise you with the things that they love. Right, like the Pope is a fan of hard rock, which I was, mm. <laughs> I was surprised to hear that, but <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, rock on, rock on, Pope, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And also just, you know, the way that the same artwork or artist can affect different people and people can have completely different experiences of, you know, like a movie, for example, one person can have really happy memories from their childhood and another person, it can be like a movie that they saw right before they broke up with their girlfriend or something, you know, that there's, there's different ways that artworks can impact people and influence them. So I'm really interested in that too. Right. Like some people are love the exorcist and then other people are traumatized by it. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love you know, the same thing with, with Stephen King. He's one of my favorite authors. And the last guest that I had listened to lived in Maine. So of course Stephen King is, is going to be influential because he's so close, but Stephen King ha seems to have the same effect on people. Either they are immersed in it and they love it, or it absolutely traumatized them and they can't look at a dog in the same way, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and that's a really good example. Like, you know, uh, Todd, who I, I spoke to on the last episode, grew up in Bangor, Maine, where a lot of, you know, where Stephen King lives, and he draws a lot of inspiration from things that have happened in the town, and like, you know, Todd knew people who were directly, you know, their stories were directly lifted for Stephen King stories, and like, you know, using myself as an example, talking about Prince, I grew up in the Twin Cities, and my experience of Prince is like, he is everywhere, when I was growing up, he was this like local hero, and you know, it, it, obviously he's a huge international superstar as well, but I had this additional personal connection being from the same place as he was. And other people's experience, it's like, you know, it, it isn't any more connected or better or worse. It's just different. Right. Uh, because I didn't grow up there. Prince is my absolute favorite artist of all time, mm. ever. And I'm at the point now where, like, I could listen to his music and be happy again, where for a long time, it took me a long time to process and accept the fact that he was gone when people failed him and he really should still be with us. So, and yeah. I also have uh, conflicting ideas about what is going on with his estate. Uh, a, a, a large part of me loves that things are being released, but another part of me is thinking, will it have been released if he were still alive or with us? Right. You know, so I'm very conflicted in, in that respect, but, you know, that's how I, you know, process the whole thing. But I'll still yeah. enjoy his music and still buy things, whether it's a book yeah. or an album or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had exactly the same him. feeling. 
you know, all of his music being put on streaming platforms where he was so adamantly against streaming music and really just thought that it was ruining the music industry. And within a couple of months after he died, it was all being thrown onto Spotify. And yeah, it's just like, it, there you don't need to speculate. This is definitely not what he wanted. <laughs> um, right, right. But, uh, <laughs> How do you record and edit your show? What process do you do? I mean, obviously you interview people, so you're recording and editing it a certain way. How does that work for you? Yeah, so I do everything myself, depending on whether it is an in-person interview or somebody who is in a different place. There's a different procedure, but I record interviews over Skype when it's somebody who I'm, I'm not in, who's not in New York, but people who are in the city, I do in-person interviews. Usually um, there's like meeting rooms that you can book at, at various places throughout the city and I'll book a meeting room and record there. And then once I have the interview, I edit the interview. And then there's a, always an opening monologue. At the end of the, every episode, I do um, some recommendations of art that I've uh, enjoyed over the last week and just slap it together from there. I have a friend who uh, was a, also a podcast guest who's a singer-songwriter who wrote the theme song. So I slap that into the, the, every episode, too. I think that's kind of, that's kind of the general uh, the way that everything comes together. <laughs> so... Uh, what do you think is the most challenging part about podcasting for you or uh, booking the shows? Would it be uh, getting the interview set up, or do you find it's uh, more of an editing, or is it just finding the time to research, or <laughs> do, you, do you have a specific pet peeve? <laughs> <laughs> scheduling definitely like uh, far and away that's been the most difficult thing and it's just you know people are busy and they have lives and as with anything if you make a dentist appointment you can you know that can be canceled on either end on the patient end or on the dentist end so I kind of have to think of it like that that like you know like anything in life some schedules are subject to change but some people, I, I won't name any names, but some people have um, definitely made it more of a challenge than others. There have been times <laughs> when I've had to chase people for a few months to, to get it to happen. And yeah, there are I've, times also when <laughs> when you're trying to get uh, your message across, especially via email, when it's not computing, I think, on either side, and you just mm-hmm. like want to bang your head against the wall. It's really just about rescheduling most of the time and everything else has been knockwood pretty smooth sailing well i would like to think that podcasting is a much more pleasant experience than going to the dentist but i can see where <laughs> you're coming from <laughs> yeah yeah i hope that my guests feel the same way i, I haven't ever uh, asked for any feedback on how they felt about talking to me but i hope uh, at least slightly better than going to the dentist <laughs> or $600 to, like, extract some information that <laughs> on a question that you've asked. Yeah. <laughs> right, so. right. Yeah. <laughs> so on the flip side, how has podcasting improved your life or changed it for the positive? Um, this is definitely the most gratifying project that I've ever worked on. And as I said before, I think having something that's really completely in my control 
that is a creative outlet has been really wonderful for me. As an actor, you get told throughout your career that you should develop your own work and, you know, stage plays by yourself and, and write films and all none of that has ever really appealed to me. I don't really enjoy writing very much. I, I don't think I'm bad at it, but I, I find it really challenging. And throughout my career, I've just kind of thought like, Ugh, I, I don't know that I have the energy or the um, interest to develop my own stuff. And finding this and, um, you know, figuring out that this is the thing that I, I can do well and that I get a lot of satisfaction from and it's completely in my control has been, uh, yeah, a revelation. Really wonderful. Yeah, it's probably very liberating because if you're going for an acting role, you have to abide by their guidelines and do what is asked of you. With this, it's, like you said, in your total control. You're the uh, captain of, of the ship, so you can steer it whichever way that you want. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, just, you know, feeling like, I have been able to develop this from the beginning and I've had a lot of help. I have tons of talented friends, you know, my friend who's a graphic designer, who's uh, helped me with all of the kind of branding and uh, a really great supportive pool of people who uh, I've called in favors from. But on the whole, this is my baby, the, the thing that I've created on my own. And I'm really proud of it. I, I feel really grateful that I've been able to, to make it work. Have there been any resources that have helped you get started? It's been a lot of like bits and pieces, you know, Googling specific problems that I'm having and, and um, finding things that way. Audacity has a blog that's had a lot of good information for me. And other than that, it's kind of a lot of word of mouth stuff in terms of buying gear and, and that kind of stuff. I talk to other podcasters. I talk to friends who do other jobs that require audio equipment, you know, people who are singers or, or in bands. So I think it's a combination of <laughs> Google being the, the best resource um, uh, for, for finding the answers to questions, but also really learning to not be afraid to, to ask friends and to get involved in podcasting communities and throw questions out on forums and Facebook groups and, and that kind of stuff, I, I think has been really helpful too. Yeah, Google's a great resource. I always tell my friends to Google the, your next date. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, just, yeah. just, the, just throw the name in a Google search and <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I could have uh, used that advice in my uh, 20s and, and my early 30s. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, like before the internet, you probably couldn't really do as much research. And now it's like, of course, you have to check on the person you're dating <laughs> to see if there's uh, any information you can get on the internet before you, uh, before you go out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, what do you wish you had known when you first started the Spark Parade? I think it has really been a pretty steady learning curve. I don't feel like I've had any problems that have been like, oh, my God, if I would have known this six months earlier, everything would have been so much easier. So I don't think there's any specific 
you know, bits of, of knowledge that I picked up that I, I really wish I would have learned earlier. The thing that I uh, is the, the not necessarily a regret, regret that I think um, if I, in, in hindsight, could have known to just get started. Um, I spent a lot of time stressing out about making things perfect in my mind, you know, trying to, to make sure that everything was exactly ready before I launched. And I think I would have just taken the plunge much earlier. It's a, a lot less scary than I had built it up in my mind to be. So. I find that to be an answer to this question that is quite common. A lot of people that I've talked to on this show have said the same thing. I hear it over and over again. They just said, I wish I, you know, I had thought about this well, more like I have been thinking about this for the last year or two or the last six months or the last three months, and I've just been sitting on the idea when I really should have just jumped in and done it. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a common answer. I think I can relate to that too because you know, mm-hmm. you also want to go in knowing that what you're putting out there is – quality yeah so it is a balance i mean you don't want to just like say oh i'm just gonna you know put out really terrible episodes for the first six months and learn uh, while i'm throwing things out to, to the world but yeah i think there's a kind of a middle ground that i probably could have just afforded to say enough thinking let's just do it but again it's, it's not necessarily a regret it's just yeah it, if i uh had it all to, to do over again, I, I, I might have tried to push myself to start earlier, but I'm so happy with the way that it's gone that it's a small thing. Yeah, it's minor. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to podcast? I would say don't worry too much about getting expensive equipment. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is thinking that they need to get like studio quality stuff to be able to start. And it's, you know, one one of the greatest things about this medium is that it is really available to everyone. And just thinking of an idea and trying to get the show structure together and just starting to do it. And even if you're not putting out episodes getting episodes together as like a a way to try it out, maybe get some friends to listen to it or something. But yeah, trying not to put artificial barriers in your way, like saying I have to save up to get the best equipment before I can start. Um, So that was kind of five different things in one answer. (laughs) um, (laughs) Well, that's a common pitfall that people make. They go out and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to get, a podcast started and then seven episodes later, poof, they're gone because they didn't think about the process of recording an episode or they didn't think out what their show was going to be about or they got frustrated with the number of downloads that they got. Podcasting Mm -hmm. is, is really a labor of love. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if, if you're not a celebrity, you can't expect your first episode to have 10,000 downloads. <laughs> right. Right. And just like having realistic expectations of what's going to happen. I think probably also just, I kind of had an idea of this before I started, but a lot of people seem to not know what a normal trajectory is for the first year of a podcast and that it's pretty, pretty flat. You know, you're, you're not going to have, you know, pickups 
thousands more listeners every episode. It's a process and it's about building an audience and trying to enjoy what you're doing as the audience builds. And I think maybe that's another good chunk of advice there is just saying, try to focus on enjoying the work and make sure that it's something that you really love so that the, the ride is as fun as any success that comes from it. So in your opinion, do you think the arts are in jeopardy? If so, how? And how do you think people can change it? I mean, I think in terms of like the Trump administration, their priorities have have shifted to other things. I haven't really seen much mention of withdrawing funding for the arts, but on a local level, definitely there are the high school that I went to in Golden Valley, which is a suburb of Minneapolis, is a residential statewide art school that's public. So kids can come from northern Minnesota, from, you know, really small towns and live in dorms when they're in their junior and senior year and go to high school at a public school. And throughout the years, you know, I have teachers who uh, taught me in high school who post things occasionally about stuff that's going on there. And it's a constant fight with the um, local government to to keep funding intact. So I think it it, it is always um, part of it is that there are people who think of the arts as something that's frivolous, that's not, you know, it's not math or science. It's not something that is going to keep the world together, which I, I don't think is true. But also the arts are a really powerful way for people to express themselves and to express dissent if they're unhappy with the way things are. So I think in both of those ways, the arts can be undervalued and be seen as a threat. I, I think there's always a constant need to support the arts and to ensure that they're being funded properly. And I think the the best way to support the arts is just to be vocal about it. You know, if you have local theater companies or local bands or independent stuff that's a, a little bit smaller that you can support however you can, whether it's going out to see bands or just posting about the music that you like and spreading awareness. And then, you know, if people have spare cash to spend donating to organizations like the National Endowment for the Arts and to PBS and places that provide public art services is is always a good idea. So I'm going to flip this on you a little bit. So what or who do you really love? In terms of art? Yes. I mean, as I said, I, I agree with you on, on Prince. He's one of my favorite musical artists of, of all time and probably the uh, musical artist who I've seen the most in concert as well. He's a, a huge inspiration for me, so I could talk about him all day. One of the first guests who I had who wanted to talk about Prince, and it's just like, oh, I don't even need to think about this. You know, a lot of times I, I have to do research. <laughs> just kind of, even if it's people I've heard of before, I want to have a little bit more background information. And I was just like, I could interview you or you could interview me. We'll just uh, keep talking about him forever. And this will be an extra long episode. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's awesome. So, (laughs) I mean, I I feel the same way. I've uh, interviewed a podcast called The Mountains and the Sea, and they just focus on Prince and his albums, mm. and they, they really dig deep in, 
into his history, and there are quite a few uh, Prince podcasts out there. So yeah. how can people find the Spark Parade and connect with you on social media or listen to the podcast? I'm sure you're on all of the podcasting platforms, but just give a little uh, plug for where it could be found. Yeah, yeah, all big ones, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and I'm on social media uh, at Spark Parade. That's a good way to kind of keep up with who the guests are and the art that I've uh, been engaging with throughout the week. So those are the, the best ways. Wonderful. So is there anything else that you would like to promote before we close out the show? Just anybody who likes art and wants to hear more about what other people have to say about it and the things that other people are into should check it out. And I also think it's a good way to maybe learn a little bit more about artists that you already love and get a different perspective on them or to learn about artists that you've never heard of before. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for speaking with me today on your podcast, mine. I thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. And to everyone listening to your podcast or mine, we'll chat soon. Do you want movie reviews? Welcome to the Review Revolution. Find your true zen and quiet on the set. A podcast who tests your true abilities to listen and pay attention. Things don't always go according to plan, but it's a knee slapper. Whoa! We're slashing our way through snobby critics to give you the real meat. We will provide the humans with cinematic information both known and unknown. Released every Friday on all major streaming platforms. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Quiet on the Set Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.